Well, I, I still to this day don't know how people can live off of less than a hundred thousand dollars a year. Yeah, it's um, like especially in the Bay Area, oh, like you are bunking up. Yeah, for sure. You you got five up. roommates. Yeah. Yeah. Welcome to the Winning Move Podcast. I'm your host Stratton Brown. I interview successful entrepreneurs from around the world to see what moves they've made in their lives to get successful and more importantly, stay successful. I'm here to make sure you can create a better life for you and your family. Let's tune in. Welcome to the Winning Move Podcast. We have one of my, I think this is my favorite episode of the week with Michael Zuber and the weekly World Financial Update. How you doing, Mike? Hey man, I'm doing well. I appreciate this because I get lost sometimes just talking about the daily stuff in my show. Uh, so doing a weekly show for you allows me to kind of wrap up my thoughts for the week. So thank you for the opportunity. Oh yeah. Um, I mean, the first thing I want to talk about is Elon Musk buying 9% of shares in Twitter. Did you yeah. talk about that at all this week? I did. I mentioned it the day it came out. Uh, he spent, uh, I forget what it was, 2.8 billion or something number. Very impressive. Um, Elon Musk sold all those Tesla shares. He is now using it to make a difference. You know, Elon Musk is an interesting cat because he was able to do a lot with very little. Now mm -hmm. he's got billions of dollars. That that cat's going to do some crazy stuff. So uh, it's going to be fun to watch. I was, I, hear, I was listening to a podcast. So like, what's the point of having fuck you money if you don't do fuck you? Yeah. <laughs> Exactly. Oh, Elon is going to be fun to watch. And he thought again, right? So I don't know if you folks know this, but he's he's on the radar of the SEC, right? Oh yeah. He's he got a little trouble for talking about uh, I think Tesla like at four twenty and some tweets he put out. Not cool, right? Kind of misleading. These were years ago, but the SEC is paying attention. So if you're watching his Twitter feed, about three weeks ago he left breadcrumbs that he was going to do something with Twitter. He started asking questions like, should you do this? Should you do that? Should you do this? And if you were watching his breadcrumbs and had experience, you knew what was coming. So some people bought ahead and the SEC is now looking into this going, come on, Elon, what are you, you, this, you know, you're acquiring the stock. You're telling everybody you're doing it. And, you know, now they're not happy. So he's, he's uh, flipping the finger to the SEC again, again, <laughs> again. again, he's, he's, I think he's my favorite celebrity entrepreneur. Yeah. Uh, I don't even think it's close. I mean, for, let me be very clear. I'm not an Elon Musk fan. Just I don't really j jive with him. But I do I do respect the fact that he is willing to just do it. So I, I respect that. I don't really gel or vibe with him. But yeah, he's got a few money and he's using it. So it, it's entertaining to watch. Well, so he put in, I think it was 2 to $3 billion. And then he made a billion dollars off of when the news came out. Yeah, he, he made, made a, a he made a billion. He made a billion dollars. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, that's that's moving markets, folks. The SEC is not going to like that. <laughs> not at all. Not at all. Um, the next. So, what does it take to do a hostile takeover of a company? Like, if you wanted to, and you're a random rich dude. Mm -hmm. Typically, is it nine percent to ten percent? Is like minimum. Uh, well, you typically have to become the largest shareholder. So I don't. I believe Jack Dorsey at Twitter is still the largest shareholder. I believe Jack Dorsey owns over fifty percent. I don't believe he let that much go. So okay. uh, in Twitter's case, it, it, let's just talk generically speaking. Once you become the largest shareholder, you now can swing the market. You can now swing activities. 
Uh, some closely held, like Tesla, for example. Elon Musk is still the largest owner of Tesla. No matter what happens, you can't con you cannot accumulate enough shares because he kept it right in in his reins. Uh, but yeah, if you become the largest shareholder, that's the thing. And then if you break ten percent, uh, you actually um, that's another factor. So yeah, okay. I like it. Like Donald, I've read like Donald Trump hostily tried to take over a couple different companies on the stock market, mm -hmm. and like a couple different. It's not an uncommon thing. No, it, it and actually, I think we're going to head back to those situations. There was a th there's the thing in the '80s that was really sparked by um, uh, I forget what the debt was called, but basically there was a there was a bunch of debt being created that was high risk debt. And there was this thing called green mail, which isn't really called blackmail. Basically, you buy a bunch of shares, you get bought out for higher prices. Then there was leveraged takeovers like RJI and Nabisco, the largest takeover at the time. It's going to come around, right? Businesses were bloated, uh, and now there's a lot of value there. So hostile takeovers are coming back. Carl Icahn uh, was a, was one of the largest uh you know, the hostile takeovers. It's very common. It was very common in great environments where stocks keep going up. It's not very common. Uh, you just get paid off uh, okay. with rising stocks. Yeah. But as the market goes down, hostile takeovers are pretty common. And I think that era is coming back. Okay. So let's now go into, that was what I thought was the best news of the week. What are awesome. other big things that happened this week in the well, financial I, uh, markets? Well, I think there's a lot of things that you need to be paying attention to. So first and foremost, our game of real estate, the 30-year mortgage for owner ox broke 5%. As somebody who's been doing this for nearly 20 some odd years, 5% is still great money. But for anybody doing it the last two or three years who are used to two or 3% money, 5% is a game changer. It's going to change buying behaviors. We're going to buy demand destruction. Uh, the market's going to slow down. It's It's what the Fed does. We also have the Fed coming out being uber aggressive. They're going to jack rates up 550 basis points and 50 basis points again in June. Um, there's a lot of people out there that have, don't believe it, frankly. And they're going to buy the dip. If they're right, they're going to make a ton of money. I think they're going to be wrong and get smoked. Uh, I think the Fed's uh, always had two mandates. They forgot one of them for the last two years because of the pandemic. Now they are behind the curve and they know it. Uh, and they're going to jack rates up pretty quick. So we've already seen that in the bond market. The stock market's not behaving, right? The bond market's just a train wreck, a bloodbath. But the stock market's down like 8 12%. Um, we're going to find out in a couple months if uh, you know we really have a bear market. And again, I invested through the last bear market where the NASDAQ was down 80%. So the NASDAQ being down whatever it is, 12% or something, that's nothing uh, compared to what could happen. So what are the two things the Fed is supposed to do? They have two mandates. The Federal yeah, Reserve two has mandates. two mandates. They are supposed to have stable prices, inflation below 2%, and full employment. Full employment's definition has changed. When I was getting my degree, it was 6%. It was lower to 5 Today, we're at 3.6%, right? Congrats, congrats, Fed. You've got full employment. Now, get out of the way and deal with prices because... They're 7.9. Next week, we have CPI coming out on Tuesday. It's going to be in the eights. It's going to be just horrible, man. The average family is spending an extra 2000 bucks a year on and getting nothing for it because it's higher gas, higher food, higher rent. Man, people are getting really hurt, and I think the Fed finally understands. 
That's wild. Okay, so we got that. What next? Um, I the consumer. Uh, again, something I've studied for thirty years as a, as a consumer. Somebody who studied economics and has an econ degree, you always have to pick your thing. Mm-hmm. And my thing is the consumer, right? The consumer is, as most people know, are sixty eight percent of the U.S. economy. What you may not know is um, 75% of that consumption is done by only 25% of the consumers. So inside the consumer, 68%, 25% of the population has a household income over a hundred grand. So one in four. And it's that one in four that makes up 75% of spending, right? Because it makes sense, right? You got to have extra money so you can buy stuff. Yep. And those consumers, based on a survey done by CNBC and um, I don't know, somebody else, I forget the name, are now saying they're getting nervous. So it's um, very interesting times. And I think consumers are retreating. They're going to buy less cars. They're going to take less trips. They're going to they're going out to eat less. How scared do you have to be to go to out eat to eat less? less? Wild. I mean, the gas, bro, I filled up with my Ford Fusion yesterday. Like, I don't even, I don't drive a nice car or anything. It was 90 bucks. Yeah, I drive a nice whip and it was, it was uh, like 130, 130 bucks. For that Mercedes? Yeah. Wow. And it's, yeah, I mean, that's just crazy for me. I mean, yeah, it's crazy. Well, I, I still to this day don't know how people can live off of less than $100,000 a year. Yeah, it's. Um, like, especially in the Bay Area, oh, like you are bunking up. Yeah, for sure. You you got five roommates. Yeah. Yeah. You have five roommates. LA. I'm surprised there hasn't been more of an exodus out of California. Because the only reason you would stay because of family, but then, yeah, you're staying to be with family, but you're all living together. Yeah. I I guess it's just a different cultural vibe, though, right? Yeah. I, I think, I think, well, California's had two years of negative migration, first two years in my entire life, right? California's the spot. Most importantly, we have lost the next generation because what made the Valley, and I'm sure it's the same for LA, is we always had those college graduates and engineers and computer scientists coming. Yep. They've stopped coming. They've gone to Tennessee. They've gone to Austin. They've gone to Miami. Uh, and that's going to be a huge problem because those are the people that got to the startups that made something that bought this stupid housing. Right. I live in an area where the average price like Palo Alto is like $1.8 million. And it's a no nothing house. Yeah. Five, six, 10 years from now, when that next generation's not here, it's still going to be a no nothing house, but it won't be 1.8 million. It'll be something lower. It's going to be a problem. I, wanna, I mean, think about all of the people in the Silicon Valley going to Miami. Like all, like Dude, all the Miami, businesses too, Miami and Austin. Miami, and well. Miami's going to be the spot. It's got the right, it's red. I mean, this is business friendly. It's got the right tax vibe, no state taxes. Uh, property taxes are not quite as egregious as Texas. Texas has some yep. pretty, pretty egregious. Oh, they're property bad. Tax. Bad. They're bad in Texas. Bad. Like they're significantly bad. Yeah. Every year resets, all that stuff. Um, yeah. I think, uh, you know, if I was starting over again and, you know, was single, I, I might, I might go plant my flag in, in Florida. All right. Well, and what's the next one? So we got the bond markets freaking out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but, yeah, Musk. bond market. See, that's the that's the other thing that people don't realize, right? A lot of people that are new to the game of money, they look at the stock market, like the stock market is the economy. That is 
just not true. It might feel like too fast. Well, it moves too fast. And, and I mean, would it shock you to realize like, like people your age, right? You're younger. Mm -hmm. You probably think the stock market is bigger than the bond market and bond market is only for those old, old farts who, you know, legitimately. Right. Yeah. The bond market dwarfs the stock market like a hundred to one dwarfs it. I have no idea. Yeah. Dwarfs it. And I, it is not an exaggeration to say that the smart money lives in the bond market. The stock market is the hot money, the fast money. The smart money is in the bond market and the bond market is screaming problems ahead. The 10 year note today went above 2.7. The stock market is farted. It's, it's had a nothing drop. The bond market is screaming problems ahead. And the stock market is like, we are still partying. Right now, what, what is happening is if you're at a party and it's New Year's Eve, the smart money is left. The dumb money, the hot money is partying, loading up the, uh, uh, the, the drinks, taking drugs, and the freaking cops are circling the building. If you're still in it, when it gets raided, you're going to get got. So yeah, the bond market's where the smart money is. And right now the bond market is screaming problems ahead. And so like, the reason I think bonds are boring, like you're only getting like a three to 5% return with bonds, right? Yes. It's a guaranteed return. Is it guaranteed though? Yeah, of course it is. Well, I mean, it's as guaranteed as anything could be. It's risk. It's a risk-free asset. It is what all other risk assets are compared to. Yes, the, t- the okay. ten-year Treasury. Yes, is considered because like risk- you can you can buy bonds from cities and stuff, right? Oh, you can. So when I'm talking bonds, I'm talking Treasuries, ten-year. That's yeah. If you're going to go up the capital stack, things get riskier. Yeah, okay. you you could buy debt in Russia right now if you wanted for like ninety-eight cents off. Yeah, you could if you I, wanted. May, it's probably. I think it's, it's a solid zero. move. Well, I, I mean, think it's a solid I mean, move. It, it, it could it, go up eventually. It's a long play. It is an option. And if you are in a place where you want to play the option market, go nuts. Most people aren't. Most people can't play there. That's, bro, I had no idea that the bond market was that big. Oh, it's dwarfs it. Dwarfs the stock market. And so you think, well, all the smart money's moved into bonds. The bond market's freaking out and everybody. So what does everybody do? Everybody getting more liquid? Like what's going on? Exactly. Exactly. The smart money is getting liquid, raising dry powder, while the dumb money, the hot money, the buy the dip crowd mm-hmm. is still partying like it's 90, 1999. And you guys haven't looked out the window yet. And there's cops around the building ready to come in. That's and so, And then they're just not going to be able to buy the dip. Because the other people are really preparing to buy the dip. Yeah, so so here's the deal, right? So um, Jamie Dimon, arguably, and Warren Buffett, right? Two of arguably the top 10 investors in the world, arguably. Yep. Certainly in the top 100. Both of them have been raising cash, like cash. We're not talking bonds. We're talking cold, hard currency, dollars, for about a year now. They're not idiots. They both know that inflation is running at 10%. They both know by keeping cash in the bank that they're losing 10%. The only reason they're doing that is because they're going to buy the dip hard, like 40% off. Yeah, and they'll gain the 30. While all the people that are by the dip crowds are going to be out of money, the dip bought the dip. You've all seen the memes with the people standing behind. 
Warren Buffett and Jamie Dimon are in the balcony with the sniper rifle, ready to take out the last one. If you're if you're throwing all your 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 last bit of capital in right now, you're going to get got. So you think everybody's buying at the top? Well, clearly it's not the top, but uh, there's a lot more room Top-ish. below. Yeah, top-ish. There, there, there's a trap door. That's what the bond market is saying. I like that. That was a good educational one. What what other big things happened? I'm excited by what's coming, right? One of the things as a real estate investor I love is finding motivated sellers. The hardest thing to find the last two years was a motivated seller because all you had to do was put a sign in the yard and you got above asking. That's hard, right? The only things we bought, we bought 12 or 13 deals over two years all off market. I am so excited to start writing offers on MLS-based deals because buyers are going to run away. I'm going to be able to write offers on great deals below asking. And yeah, a lot of them are going to tell me to F off. It's okay. I'll just write a new one. I'm going to start getting counters. I'm going to start buying great deals on the MLS. Right when everybody else runs away scared. I When people are running away scared, I'm running in. When people are running in, I'm running out. The last two years, I ran out. I sold apartment buildings in 19 before the pandemic because they were stupid price. I was wrong because of a pandemic. If we don't have it, I was right. And right now, dude, yeah. I've got dry cow, I've got dry powder. I'm ready to go in. I'm excited. I'm so I'm almost vibrating with excitement about what's coming. I still think you could start a significantly sized fund and have a good time. Oh, I certainly could. There's no question. I think like when the time comes, start a fund and then you have as much capital as you'd really need to go start swooping up a lot, competing with the hedge funds. I could. All right. Yeah. Okay, here's a topic I was talking to my friend Jennings about yesterday on my podcast, uh-huh. to where everybody's selling these properties to hedge funds. Mm-hmm. And the reason, so like hedge funds own like 50% of the property now, or something that, crazy. That's, that's not true, but they own more than they used to. But go, go, go more, ahead. Own more than they used to. To where I do see the hedge funds truly pushing into owning the majority of it and people not being able to own real estate. Yes, well, you'll eventually find a new asset class. But like, I yeah. don't like, no yes. one body should own 30% of anything. Uh, well, we live in a capitalist system. So yeah. So first and foremost, let's, so I guess a couple of things. So one of the things I did in my career is I traveled the world, right? It was one of the, I hated travel. Anyways, I traveled the world and I have been to countries where insurance companies own 80 plus percent of real estate. 80%. That's insane. Right? 80%. It's not uncommon in Europe, right? Europe, it, it happens. And uh, today in the United States, Wall Street, Wall Street, where Wall Street, whatever, uh, owns about 1%, arguably maybe one and a half. Wall Street. If you add in big investors like myself, you get up to about eight or 9%, right? Um, even last quarter, which was a record quarter for investors, we bought 18%, which means 82% were bought by owner-occupants. These people that are saying the hedge funds are going to come and dominate U.S. real estate are misinformed. Uh, could it lead that way? Sure. Could there be some cities? Like there are some cities they dominate. Phoenix, Arizona. Um, it doesn't make I'm, any sense it's because it's still like a high priced market, but they can still buy in it. Like it's crazy. Well, they, so like, here's we don't the have deal. hedge funds in California. No, they're, well, it's because of the, we have Wedgwood and that's all. Yeah. It's, it's, well, he, here's the deal. Why were they so big in these other markets? 
It's because of the fucking Federal Reserve. The Federal Reserve made the cost of risk zero. Yeah. So why were they buying? They were buying simply because they can get a risk-adjusted return of six. They were buying all they could at a 6%. They will pay whatever they can as long as they get a 6%. And oh, by the way, rents have gone up the last year, so they could pay more. Yeah. But guess what? The bond market is screaming problems ahead. The the 10-year treasury was sub 1% like a year ago. It is now 2.7 and going higher. Hedge funds will pull themselves out. Why buy a house if you can get 4% in a 10-year treasury? Yeah. It was just the best return. Now, when, when Wall Street can go do um, buyouts, they can go these, uh, they'll go somewhere else. Wall Street is a simple creature. They go where the best return is. And for two years, the Federal Reserve made the single family home the best return. The best, okay. And very soon, it's not going to be the best return, and they will go somewhere else. Well, you just proved my whole thing. I, mean, I ain't got nothing else to say, Mike. That was a good one. that was a good one you got anything else man no i would tell investors even though the economy is getting dour it's getting sour there's going to be blood in the street this is the time investors get ready this is the time investors get rich so do the work do the work do the work i'm excited awesome thank you so much for coming on mike where can people find out more about you one rental at a time go to your google search bar you should see a website youtube channel books courses instagram it's all a good time Awesome. Thanks so much for coming on, Mike. Thank you so much for tuning into this episode of the Winning Move Podcast. I hope it helps you make all the right moves in your life and business. Please make sure to go like and subscribe on any podcast platform that you're listening to. And make sure to go follow me on Instagram at Strat Daddy. Thank you guys so much. I'll talk to you soon.